Welcome to episode 11 of Crossword Perspectives on WordPress and the Open Web. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Luke. It's been a little been a little too long, Luke, since the last episode. Well, we have got a, an episode in the can, but we just haven't gotten around to publishing it. Well, it'll be a double feature. Sure, why not? Actually, the last episode is quite good, I guess. It is, yes. If you're uh, listening to this, you probably already heard it. And if if not, you should go back and listen to it because it's excellent. Luke, there's been a lot, um, been a lot going on lately. We have a number of things to talk about today. First and foremost, so I've been following pretty closely the impact of this this coronavirus stuff here in the U.S. And I thought that what I perceived as overreactions were more limited to the U.S. And you surprised me when we caught up earlier this week and you told me about some of the things that are happening in Australia as well. Oh, yeah, we're not uh, immune to toilet paper rushes and, you know, dry pasta disappearing from our grocery stores. It's happening here too. um, It still feels a little surreal for me. It started, like, I live in rural North Idaho. And weeks ago, I went to, back when we were thinking we'd do WordCamp Asia, remember that? Mm. I decided, okay, I'll be a little cautious and I'll go see if I can secure some masks to travel, take with me to travel. And weeks ago, I was, you know, they were sold out locally. And um, now it's crazy. You can't buy toilet paper or hand sanitizer or a lot of other basic supplies. And kind of want to know what people are doing with all that stuff. I have to fess up that a couple of episodes ago, I said I thought it was the wrong decision to cancel WordCamp Asia. Mm. Turns out I was wrong. Turns out it was the right decision. It was a good call. Um, at the time, it was the first conference that I'd heard of that to be canceled. And to top it off, it was one that I was supposed to attend. So yep. that probably you know made it a little bit closer to home. But since then, all sorts of conferences all over the world have been canceled and meetups too. Uh, yes. And, and I'm organizing a WordCamp for later in this year um, WordCamp Brisbane. It's not till October, but I'm wondering whether or not we should call it early. Ah, oh, man, it's also oh, right now the big thing on on my mind is well, like, what about the other next flagship events? What about WordCamp Europe? And that's right. that's in June. And current plans, and I think it's wise. Folks are really leaning heavily on local governments and health officials to say, okay, what are they saying we should do? And so far the guidance is you don't need to cancel. It's okay. But um, a lot can happen between now and then. And it's, it's tough knowing how much goes into planning and preparing so far in advance. Uh, But, but ultimately, yeah, you have to make the call that's, that's better for the folks that you're serving. Yeah. There's a lot of work, a lot of prep work involved in organizing a conference, especially uh, a major conference that people are paying big money to attend and you know you're having thousands of people so it's not quite as bad as a 300 person word camp but even so with the smaller size even with the smaller size uh we're we're rethinking whether or not we put in that effort yeah and for me so i'm over here on woocommerce and the community side and thinking of i started this year with this intent to grow our meetups program significantly this year. That's still the plan. Yet, and, and, and one of the reasons, as I've reflected on this recently, is that we're, we're now taking the stance of, okay, let's be more cautious about travel. As humans, community is more important than ever. 
like we, we need to be fostering and developing those connections. So I, I think if anything, there should be more of an emphasis on local on local meetups or even like our local WordPress meetup is exploring the idea of a local um, Zoom meeting, like using or Hangouts Zoom, whatever, to do a, a virtual session for yeah, the local cool. audience. Yeah, that's really interesting. That And a bit backwards, really, in a way. I, I don't mean in, the, <laughs> in a negative way, but it, it is because if you're local, you meet in person. That's what right. we're used to, right? That's the presumption. And exactly. And so it's strange for locals to be meeting online intentionally. Actually, it ties in really well with a thought that I've been having. I published a piece on my blog this last week about virtual reality that's yes you know my hobby outside of wordpress is i'm a big vr nut you know i own all the headsets and all the rest of it and i've been into it for quite a while but not until this point in time have i really thought that there could be an opportunity to have a meetup just hang out and chat maybe even one day a word camp one day soon in virtual reality we've got I, the tools I, yes I love it. And I love that it's an area that like you've, you've been telling me for a while, it's been fun to watch your interest over the years in VR. And it's just something that when you have things that quote unquote work, you don't tend to look as much at other things. And suddenly an opportunity like this, where you know you have all the negatives of it, the positive is it's giving people the opportunity to take a fresh look at, are there better ways to do things? And what we value about these offline you know, get-togethers are these all this extra dimension that you're able to get from being in the same place at the same time. Yet there are that that dimension; those extra things aren't exclusive to being offline. If anyone's developed a long-distance relationship, raising right. my hand over here, mm -hmm. I met my wife on the internet before before that was cool. We've been married for a long time, and you you learn how to create that sense of intimacy and connection across distance. It's very possible, and often we. Like, oh, let's don't even bother. Let's just, you know, just do this local thing. Yeah, VR affords a lot of really interesting things that we don't get, though, on video chat or yes. text-based communication. And some of them are really hard to describe. I, I regularly hang out with friends in VR, and there's a sense of presence there that I mm. don't know exactly how to put into words, but you really do feel like you're with somebody depending on the game or the app or whatever you're yep. using. You know, I have these like really, really clear memories as, as real, they feel as real as you know, any other real life memory. Uh, one in particular is I was on an abandoned spaceship mm. and uh, we found like the escape hatch and we left the spaceship and floated on the outer side of it through space uh, to get to another section that was you know, barred off. And we did it together. We had to solve puzzles to get there. And that's awesome. I had a grappling hook. So uh, what happened was Aaron, he, as he was floating, uh, he grabbed onto different uh, flotsam and jetsam outside of the ship and pulled himself along you know, in zero G and I just hung onto his boot, which was <laughs> grappled on with my grappling hook, and he towed me behind him. And that that feels it feels silly to say so, but it does. It really the memory feels as real as other memories. 
and especially the sharedness of it like you shared that experience together yeah and yeah that, that adds even more to it that's right so there's that and and i think as the tech matures as well you know, it won't be long until we see for example eye tracking in vr and just being yeah. able to see where somebody is looking when you're talking to them uh, at the moment most applications simulate looking and blinking um, but it's not necessarily yeah. uh, exactly accurate so i think that will add enormous amounts to the social presence. so i i've loved the evolution and the improvements in like asynchronous collaboration i was just thinking though like as much as we use tools like slack etc and slack and especially how much worse it would be at least in my mind as i'm thinking about this now like when you're talking with someone on slack there's the asynchronous aspect of it and then every now and then there's that moment where you're on at the same time and you're both talking and you're waiting for the other person and there's that sort of we're doing this together there's that mm. minuscule sense of presence that's indicated by the someone is typing right yeah like yeah. we're kind of doing this together if you took that away it would be just this like total asynchronous no sense of presence. You're just contributing to this space. It's not really, you don't usually go into comments on a blog to collaborate with people. Right. And when I think about that little tiny example, you know, presence is really useful for developing relationships, for in sort of enriching your shared context and for collaborating on things. It's not the, yeah. It's, I've, seen it's people, interesting. I've seen people buddy code in VR. Right, sitting ah, nice. around a screen together and VR headsets these days are high enough resolution that that can sort of work you might have yeah. tried an early vibe or an early rift and yep. maybe it's not quite good enough to make out the text on a screen and the current generation headsets I'd say a kind of the equivalent of an 800 by 600 screen you know like you can get stuff nice. done on it yeah <laughs> um, but uh, it's possible and people have I've seen people collaborate on code together and actually using their fingers to point at lines and nice. talk about the what they're seeing uh, so if that's possible how much more possible would it then be to huh. just hold a meetup right have someone stand at the front of the room and give it a, a talk a short presentation to 10 15 people yep. have Q&A um, you can do PowerPoint presentation, you can pull screens in, and you can also do stuff that you can't do in real life as well. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's time. I think we should get get the VR meetup happening, man. So I, I want to talk about the what's interesting about this too is like you don't know what you don't know if you haven't experienced it yet. Like people for the longest time, when you first heard about people forming relationships online, like what what is that? Like how can you have a relationship with someone that you you're not seeing or, or whatever else and you sort of get that. You mentioned presence. Is there anything else? Like, I think that's a big part of this, that VR, this, these ideas of shared spaces and being in the same place through virtual reality, there, there's a presence aspect of it. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Any other thing that you find interesting about it or that, that makes it valuable? Well, you right? know, there is something else that, that comes to mind. When you're comparing it to, say, a Zoom call, something yes, that you can do yeah. in VR that you can't do on a video chat, which is that you have this group dynamics situation. So you can have two different groups of people in the room having different conversations with one another, right? Mm. Or you can have a hallway where a couple of people go and chat 
or you know you can meet people one on one for the first time and have that you know first time introduction <laughs> which what you I'm just hearing you say don't get to do that, that on a zoom call with the Brady bunch of you you're also uh, re uh, potentially recreating some of the socially awkward aspects of all this so you, <laughs> you're telling me that I could go be the guy standing in the corner waiting yes. for someone to come up to me rather than going to them yeah that's totally possible <laughs> although i think that behind an avatar people tend to be a little I, bit more, more boldness yeah Maybe, Maybe that sometimes is a bad thing too. That's that. Yes, sure. Well, that's where you have to. Uh, that's interesting to then think about anonymity, right? Like, do you encourage anonymity? Because anonymity is often what fosters boldness, for better or for worse. And, oh, that's uh, a big in, discussion. In real life, in reality, like that, that I, people don't tend to say what they're willing to say. Well, honestly, in person. Sure, I, the WordPress Slack is anonymous if you want it to be so ah, sure i think i would do something similar to that you know encourage people to to share their i, I wouldn't say their real name necessarily but just their online persona you yeah. know the same handle as they use for other things i i i know otto but i don't know actually what his name is you know uh, mm. so speaking of otto can we change subjects because that actually reminds yeah, me yeah let's something. do it I read a great comment by him on a post uh, written by Riyadh a couple of days ago. Yep. Turns out. And Riyadh for Riyadh for anyone curious is the uh, explain. Riyadh is like the lead developer for Gutenberg. Yep. Uh, works for Automatic, and a couple of days ago he posted some interesting news um, that up until this post on make core hadn't been discussed with anybody which is that in WordPress 5.4 when you create a new post or you know, edit an existing post Gutenberg will open in full screen mode by default mm. what do you make of that well my initial reaction was cool okay <laughs> And then I started to think about it more, read the comments, and there, that is not uh, at least, uh, that's not at least in terms of what people have chosen to publish, that's not a shared sentiment. A lot of people are quite <laughs> concerned about this. Well, it's a, it's a change, right? Yes. And we know from experience with Gutenberg that we need to be very careful about change management in WordPress mm. because it affects a lot of people in a, in very meaningful and important ways. Uh, changes like the change of the new editor in 5.0, you know, affect agencies. They affect support people. Um, they affect anybody who is creating documentation or yep. help around WordPress. There's some, you know, big. It's a kind of a big deal, uh, and so. So when you're introducing a change, you sort of want to give people as much notice as possible, and you want to, you know, try and follow some degree of change management, don't you think? It's often ideal. It's often ideal. A lot of it's dependent on your audience, and I'd say with WordPress, given its size and and scope, that's generally true. Like you want, uh, there's someone going to be affected. Like we have to consider who the primary audience is that focus on the non-technical, I think is important. 
but yeah. Like so many things with Gutenberg, my take on this is I actually like the change, <laughs> which is the exact same on various other topics Gutenberg related, but I do personally think it's a good move. But A, nobody has been able to talk about this. Nobody's been able to be part of this discussion. The decision was made by On High and it just didn't, there was no discussion. There was, it was just decision made, it's being done. Uh, whether you like it or not, too bad. I just realized I've been authoring primarily in full screen mode for a while. Because mm -hmm. um, I went in to check and see my post, and it's turned on to full screen mode. I, I think it's ah, oh, this it's a it's tough, man. Because like one of the comments I liked is, "Hey, this this may be a great change for new users, but what about people who have not had full screen mode enabled previously, yeah. and suddenly it's enabled versus suggested and pointed towards and introduced? Right? Like, there's a pretty big difference because if someone logs in and what what just happened to my WordPress? That that's not an ideal experience. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, I think with that's the other problem that I've got with this is it's last minute. This was introduced in a release candidate, not mm -hmm. even in a beta. It was just oh, by the way, in this release candidate, we've added this new feature that hasn't been discussed, and the last minute nature of it, I think, is part of the problem. Uh, I don't know if I want to go so far as saying that it's hubris, but allow me just this line of thinking for a moment. There is a level of hubris here in that whoever made the decision has decided that there is no amount of feedback possible that is going to change their mind. And so it, I feel like we haven't arrived on the best outcome because we haven't had a discussion and like you just alluded to like i think that would be a better solution is okay let's let's make it default uh for new users but for existing users why don't we point them to it instead yep i, I mean it's worth pointing out to matt's credit here you know, he took responsibility as this being on him as release lead he also pointed out that if we need to revert this we can revert it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, no, it so, is a big deal. Even if it, I mean, if it's reverted before it's released, fine. But that that's not how you do development at this level. Sure. Right, but you'd made the point of like someone seems to be wanting to pu publish this and or push this through without considering feedback. And you can criticize the lateness of it, but there doesn't seem to be any sentiment. Like this is why you post about it, right? It would have been worse to just do it without. Now there's a post. Feedback is coming in. And well, there should be a ticket and a post. Um, and presumably that ticket will be talked about in some meetings as well on Slack and discussed there. And people will provide feedback. People make suggestions. And those suggestions will be implemented. Instead, what's happened is, I mean, this is a bit of a cynical take, but the CEO of Automatic, co-founder of WordPress, benevolent dictator for life has told one of the people who works for him at automatic make this change to wordpress and they've made the change then they've said you know merge this into the release candidate they've done that too and nobody's talked been able to talk about it until after it was in the release candidate and oh we should probably 
also release a make WordPress post to let people know. Unless you're seeing something that I'm missing, I mean, that certainly might be the case, but this is also a case where like Matt's accepted responsibility, but didn't say that. Yeah, that, like, that's, he's accepted. He's told someone to push this in. No, it's in, it's in, man. Right, like it, your line of thinking was, you're, you're, you're suggesting that Matt was like, okay, this has to go in now. And yeah. That, someone did that he, versus. He's, he's, he's asking for, he's, what's the old saying? Ask for forgiveness. Yeah, ask for, for that's the one. That's what he's doing. He's sure. asking for forgiveness. To your point, though, regardless of what actually happened, he's accepting responsibility for it. Yeah, asking for forgiveness when he should have asked for permission. Sure. I always come down so hard on Matt. I, sometimes I feel like I'm overly critical, but I'm not the only one. Right? I, I think that if you read through the posts, comments, you get two different types of comments. One is great idea. I'm really glad that we did this. I agree with those comments as well. And the other type is, why didn't we get to talk about this first? And I mean, let, let's, uh, let's take this comment that I really like. Can I read it out? So this is mandatory. Nice. Very nice. I like it. But what can we do to confuse grandma even more? She's already paying <laughs> me for maintaining Gutenberg because she's in trouble with that. And I really love to press even more money out of this old lady. I think that's a great, great comment. Um, humor used to great effect, but it's true. Yost basically writes the same thing. It leads people to being, he, uh, so he doesn't like the idea in general. I disagree with him on that. I think it's a good idea, but mm. he does point out that there's a lot of people that are affected by this change who, how do we know that they were actually considered by Matt before the decision was made? Matt cites some research, but he doesn't post any links to the research or any any proof. He just says, oh, well, this is what we found in research. So, sure. you know, like I think researching UX changes is important. So let's talk about the ideal for a moment. Decisions. Like from this point forward, what's the what's the ideal? So this is when how long has it been since this was posted? It's been about a week. Um, yeah. And there's been a good set of feedback. Have you, I'm just trying to see, there's not a ticket link here, so you can't really, can't easily check sort of, but so where does it go from here? One, one approach might be to, you can certainly take the approach of like, okay, there's been enough concern, we'll revert it. What's hard for me in the midst of all this, and just generally with WordPress is how much weight do you give those who are vocal versus the majority? And that's what's hard in a situation like this. Um, well, the thing is that I don't think that there are very many people who think that this was a bad move, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there are very many people who think this was a bad change. I think most people have a problem with the way the change was implemented. Yeah. It's a change management thing. So let's, so you, you know how I feel about things up to this point. What's the best way from here? Ideal situation, Matt Mullenweg says, you know, it was wrong of me to introduce this change at the last minute without discussion. We'll revert the change. I'll create a ticket and we can have a discussion there. Uh, the, the, hopefully the discussion, um, it, it would not be included with 5.4. The discussion 
plays out and in the end you know this is best case I, I think best case would be that everyone agrees that this should happen and then maybe there's some extra things in there maybe someone says well maybe we don't do it for existing users and maybe through the discussion we create an even better solution and that gets implemented for 5.4.1 that would be best situation from my perspective mm. i i like i like you luke and i like talking <laughs> talking about <laughs> things like this it, it's it's part of my struggle with this perhaps is it hits home for me like i i definitely fall into that camp I tend to operate more on the ask for forgiveness rather than permission. And and sometimes it's like taking the step, jumping in, getting something started and triggering the actions, even triggering the reactions, even negative can sometimes drive more interest and progress towards a better solution. Yeah, I, I so all that's to say, I agree. Like what often happens with me personally is that I make a mistake. I was at, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share, I'll, I'll spare the specific example. There's many. I make the mistake in doing something and then I immediately learn from it and am less likely to make that same mistake, but would rather have made the mistake and learned the lesson quickly than, you know, over-prepared. But I've also seen where being prepared does produce those better outcomes. It's just, it's hard. It's really hard to know. And it's easy to criticize after the fact. Sometimes. Um, being prepared and having a lot of input can lead to a worse result. Yeah. As may be the case with the next topic I'd like to bring up. <laughs> mm. Wow, let's do it. Have you seen the gradient editor in WordPress 5.4? Only, only briefly. What do you think? <laughs> My initial reaction to it, see, ah, I'm torn, actually. One of the things I love about WordPress is this idea, like, is empowering creativity in people, giving them the opportunity to kind of do whatever they want to do. When I first saw that, I was like, oh man, this is a lot of options. Like, there's a, there's a lot of things you could do, and a lot of, at least from my point of view, kind of terrible things that you can do with gradients. And I don't know. I, I definitely lean more towards like, Given a choice, I would rather err on the side of empowering more creative freedom of expression than than less. When I saw the interface, though, it's like this this looks kind of overwhelming. Like there's a lot of parts and pieces here, and does this really get you to where you want to go? Um, it, it does. It does trigger this. Uh, I wonder how we got to that point. There's a lot of very talented people working on this project. How did that come to be? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, especially the fact that I th I think the designers behind Gutenberg have done a stellar job and G2, the next design iteration of Gutenberg, which is coming down the line, looks yeah. fantastic. I love it. I think the designers behind Gutenberg are, are brilliant, uh, both visual and UX. But this design the user experience of it it's it falls a bit flat for me I, I it's hard to define exactly i know exactly how to use it when i see it and it all makes mm -hmm. sense but it just does seem a little bit overly complex it it feels to me more like like plug-in territory or like should this should that should that level of of um of option be available out of the box and 
I don't know. Again, if I had to err, I'd err on the side of giving more. But I've like that's a general challenge we have with WordPress. We give people so many options that it can end up being like, okay, I I don't know where to go. I liked my I like the defaults. Like there are some interesting little color choices there. Yeah. I'd be curious to it was know. like sixteen of them or something like that. It was, right. It's right. heaps. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you it, talk about the different options. Like, let's try and list them out. You can choose a solid or a gradient background for these for the button yeah. block or or a cover yeah. block. Uh, so you choose between those. Suppose you choose a gradient. At yeah. that point, then you can either choose one of the sixteen different presets, yeah. or there is like a, a color bar that yeah. has you know, two or three nodes on it, and you can change the color of each of those nodes by clicking that on that. Two them. or three. So you can add the multiple breakpoints or whatever nodes breakpoints. Right. You can, can add, you create you can might create more or do you have to like pick a preset that has no, you breakpoints? You can create more at any point on that linear Just by, scale okay. by clicking wow. and then and you can drag them around too, of wow. course. Um, and then you know you click on one, you get a full color picker with hex and everything. And uh, then beyond that, you've got your angle. Yep. As well. So you can change from 90 degrees to 270 or whatever you want, which I think is actually kind of important because you, your angle's going to need to match sure. your theme and things like that. Yep. And then additionally, you can choose whether you want it to be a linear or radial gradient. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like so, so many options. And then that's not to mention you're in the context of a button, which includes things like radius and. Yeah, kind of. right. Exactly. So the and the, the crazy thing in all of this is that you can't save it. I I, I maybe you can. I, I couldn't figure oh, out sure. how to save it. So if I add Oh to like reuse. Right. If oh, I add wow. two different buttons, <laughs> I think I hope I'm wrong about this. But you have to re <laughs> Right. So I don't know. I'm I'm glad it, it exists, but Yeah. I, it's 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 hard. You know what you know what could be a really interesting solution for this? What? What what if we moved gradients away from the sidebar there and instead only enabled gradients in like the global styles? So global styles aren't something that exists in WordPress right now. It's something that's coming down the line that I'm really ah. excited about. Let's you maybe choose the background color and the text color some default settings like border radiuses for buttons and all of that sort of thing. You know, it's going to have a page yep. of style options that will persist with your website between themes. Yeah. And will you know, persist between posts in Gutenberg as defaults. So that, that could be a solution. I, I like that. The other thing too, coming back to the plugin territory comment is if like, the, sure, there's maybe a use case where someone really wants a one-off uh, they want the ability to not have to define a global gradient. Um, I'm still struggling a little bit with just the general use case for gradients, um, but uh, there's people who love it, so that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, one one thing that I'd heard about them on the Gutenberg Changelog podcast, and yeah. I thought it was really well put. I think it was Birgit or Mark who said uh, gradients are fantastic. It's so much fun to play around with different styles for buttons and cover blocks and create really interesting um, gradients. 
and then just before you hit publish switch it back to a solid color because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you really want in the end i love it <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with gradients back in the day like it was yeah. a I, so and that's just maybe it's for our kids man maybe yeah. it's uh it's our kids a chance to to do some maybe aqua some, is coming crazy. back Oh yes! Remember those <laughs> aqua buttons? The oh, it was so cool to pull that up in Photoshop and be able to. Zero. Yeah, oh, it was so good. <laughs> it looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's to so again from my point of view. One, I'd rather always err on the side of empowering creativity. But two, I think just giving people a bunch of tools isn't necessarily it's maybe an interesting it there's in like there. an advanced section yeah you know maybe there's a drop down menu that enables it or there's some options somewhere because i i think it's great to have but i also think it's more of a uh it, it's not as going to be commonly used as we might all right think i'm going to go show my kids and see what they think all right yeah i'm yeah. gonna sh i'm gonna show them the new edit and not just say too much about it, like hey play with this and, and see what they think and if they start to get freaked out and love it then all right maybe i'll change my mind a bit but make a anyway. button make a button that looks really nice go on yes yeah make a button that looks see. nice see what they do <laughs> i love it there's also like the outline and the fill mode for the buttons in case you oh you know wow didn't More have options. enough options yeah covered a wide range i'm thinking about the title for this episode I'll have to... <laughs> and um are we going to call it a season pretty soon one more episode that's right yeah we're gonna stick to 12 episodes yep and i think this season just reflecting back has been all pretty um news-based right it's been mm. this is this is what's happening in wordpress and commentary on it yeah. commentary on it I'd really like our next season. What do you think about this? To be maybe more evergreen. Hmm. You could take an yes. issue like maybe the one we talked about today and with Matt Malinweg and, and maybe we could turn that into a discussion about governance in yeah, general. Interesting. We could pick some themes. We could pick a theme or multiple themes and then yeah, try to produce some like thought pieces in audio form. And and I've like we've often accompanied this with posts that right. um, either preceded or postseded. <laughs> so if the, you're a listener, yeah. we'd we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on season one so far, one episode to go, and uh, what you'd like to see more of in season two. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Luke. It's been fun. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>